0: people have a lesser view of themselves than other people would have. And so my job very often becomes, can I remove the blockers so that you can have that view of yourself that I have? Can you stand in my shoes and see you from over here? And that requires trust because the reason you can't is because you're protecting yourself. Something happened at some point that required you to protect yourself or you thought you needed to protect yourself. You know, like there aren't no tigers coming down the street, right? But, but there, if fear drives something and that fear is not made up, it did come in at some point for a legitimate reason.
1: Hello and welcome to Better Conversations with me, Siham Cyrene. My guest, who you just heard, is Anne Chatroux, a former investment banker. She gave up that very lucrative career. While she was good at it, um, she found that after a while she wasn't that interested in it. And like many of us, her relationship as a child shaped who she is today, not without some investment in working out some old, unhelpful narratives. Her work these days, coaching successful senior executives, is way more fulfilling for her as she partners with her clients to help them expand their own sense of fulfilment, reach and impact on their world. What you just heard is an example of how she helps her clients to hold that bigger view of themselves um, that others have of them so that they can achieve bigger reach, that bigger impact. And of course, conversations are the primary tool of her trade. I've got many favourite moments from my conversation with Anne about conversations like how our childhood difficulties can shape us and give us both useful skills as adults for work and personal relationships and narratives that become unhelpful triggers in our adult life that make connecting with others complicated. Trust comes up again and again, too. And I quote, yummy, trustful conversations. Um, These are important to Anne, and she talks about how when we trust the person we're speaking to and the conversation is flowing easily and naturally, she has a sense of being smarter than normal. Listen on to find out what she means. Hello, Anne. Um, Thank you very much for joining me. It's lovely to have you here.
0: Thank you for inviting me.
1: Fantastic um so why don't we get started with understanding how your, in what ways your work depends on having good conversations
0: um my work depends a lot on having good conversations because really conversations is all I do um and 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 quite frankly a lot of people a lot of my clients conversations is kind of all they do the higher up you get the more the, or, or the more your job depends on being a leader, the more conversations is how you get the job done. So conversations are all around me in, in any number of different shapes and forms. And I think that that's really, uh, you know, it's an important insight to have that that, that, is, that is what you do. And that is what I do. So being good at it and understanding what aspects, you know, like how it works, what the aspects are and and subjecting yourself to the training that that is and being humble about the training that that is, is very important.
1: Can you give an example of your journey in understanding that?
0: Um, I think that. So early yes, I can, I guess is the answer. Um uh early-ish on in my coaching career, I did uh, I I I did work on teaching people how to listen. And 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 because there's so much about how you speak, there's so much there's such an emphasis on When you come out of school, this communicating it and and expressing yourself is all about what you say and how you say it. And so when I started my consulting career, it it was a bit of an aha moment that a lot more, a, a lot bigger part of the conversation has to do with your ability to listen and how you listen as opposed to what you say. Where you know like typically the emphasis is on what you say, and did i did I use the right words did i did I say it right? did I do it right? did I communicate clearly? whereas the quality of the conversation of course is a is a is a combination of speaking and listening right but but the the listening part is actually way more important than than most people think. And I remember early on as a consultant teaching people these things and going for myself, going, Oh, I have been hanging out on the, on the wrong side of this for the <laughs> longest time and, and training myself and, and putting the emphasis on the words and the speaking and the ability to master the language, et etc. et cetera. English is not my native tongue. And so Doing everything in a foreign language, you know, even adds more emphasis on the, am I doing it right in terms Mm. of speaking?
1: And I think, um, would you agree that listening is also part of enlisting people in, um, in the conversations? It's part of the invitation to share their perspective and to open them up to a conversation with you.
0: Absolutely absolutely it's key um that there isn't uh, listening is so t- is so closely connected to how we build trust that it's if if you don't do that well the other person it, 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 the other person basically needs to be courageous and bring themselves in despite your lack of listening and so when you listen and you listen intently and generously the other person has feels invited into the conversation like you actually want to hear what they have to say which 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 is but i i say that in a sort of funny kind of way but but it's but it's it's critical that the other person has this sense of actually you want to hear what they have to say. Somebody is authentically interested in what you have to say.
1: So picking up on that, Anne, what does a better conversation look and feel like to you?
0: A better conversation is, is, is one where both parties feel invited to the conversation so we already talked about how listening is that invitation or or can be used as that invitation in and and it's not only i'm willing to listen to you and not interrupt you which is kind of like the the you know like like what the fly on the wall can sort of observe right but there is a when i speak about generous listening there is they, or it's generous listening is one of the aspects that I talk about, which is really much more than not interrupting somebody. Generous listening has to do with that I listen to you from I wanna hear, I want to understand what you mean, as opposed to, or oh, said differently, I listen for what I could learn from what you have to say. Most people, yours truly included. Okay, so I'm 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 learning with the rest of them. Okay, but but most people fall into traps where we are, it 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 is a it's a much stingier form of listening where I listen for my point of view confirmed, for example, or I I I don't really listen at all. I I listen for I I am formulating my own thought or my response as you are talking so I'm not really concerned with I'm not really listening to you I'm sitting there thinking here's here's how I'm going to sound smart this is this is my response that you can't repute that you can't argue with and so I'm not listening at all in a really good conversation, what you will observe is that there's a pause between that you finish talking and I start responding, because in that pause, I have I, it, while you've been talking, I've been intently listening to you, and then I actually need a moment to figure out what I want to say. So it isn't this like in you know like it isn't a a stream of words coming out of each other's mouths. There is a break between, because we can't listen and and we can't listen and process at the same time. The human brain either listens or formulates, respectively, remembers what you just said, or it or it does something else. Does that make sense? Mm. So so between you talking and me saying something in response, there needs to be a break where I process what you said and I now formulate what I want to say. So it's a critical, that pause is, for example, a critical aspect if you do public speaking. Most people are so nervous when they speak publicly that they are just, they are A, only concerned with what they have to say, right? So they are just, am I getting it out right? Am I getting it out right? Do I sound smart? And they forget to actually stop so people can process what they just said.
1: Mm. And certainly, there is an advantage to pausing. And and I'm thinking about team situations, right, where we do process information at different speeds and to different depths and angles. So, so yeah, slowing down is good. Um, It also gives us time to read the mood and gather more data.
0: Yes. One recommendation about that is that, see, it's difficult. So take the meeting scenario. and, And you are absolutely right. If there is no pause after somebody states their point of view, there is no time for the group to process what that was and let it influence them. However, if you as the leader now, let's say you're in the meeting, somebody says something, and now the next person just jumps right in and says their thing, because it, it, particularly in the, in the Anglo-Saxon culture, that's kind of how we operate. Like, let, my get, let me get my five cents in there as quickly as I can. <laughs> and, and there's very often no time to process things, which is very different if you talk about an Asian culture, for example. But but in that scenario, if you as the leader now stop proceedings and go, hey, let's just let's just, you know, let's just reflect on what Anne said. And then, you know, like like you want to kind of remind people that they should give people or they should practice taking that break to let things settle. You as the leader are adding importance to what Anne said. So it's something that it's it's a rule that you want to teach people up front rather than sort of shove in the proceedings as they go along. If I if I am in the middle and I'm noticing my people are just kind of boom, 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 right? Like they're in that, you know, one word is taking the next. Then it, it can just be a very creative process and people are really fired up but but you know oftentimes it it gets trickier if the if we're discussing something that is not working so well as opposed to we're being very creative we're trying to figure out what went wrong for example
1: in previous conversations that we've had and you've talked about the need to trust the person you're having the conversation with
0: yes can you say more about that So, so if I reflect on what are some of the best conversations I've been in, what is my, what is my experience in that, in those conversations? I, uh, this might be just my personal brand, but I find myself being smarter than I, my normal experience of myself is. So, so what, where does that come from? And, and really in conversations that for me really flow, I find myself coming up with ideas or, or, or responses or comments or suggestions that I have no idea where that came from. And and that's what I mean by, I have a experience of myself as being smarter than normal (laughs) and, and and so what is that a function of? And and the, the part, like when I think about it and that part I can boil it down to is that a prerequisite for that is that I trust the other person. Hmm. So, so if I, like, like I, you know, I trust you. So I, it's easy for me to be in a conversation with you. I don't have to my my awareness or my attention rather is not on. Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I sounding smart? Is this good? You know, like like this is an interview, and I'm not particularly nervous. I'm sharp, but I'm not nervous. I'm not you know like like I'm not like oh my god. I'm am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Which is which is testimony to the relationship that you and I have built and how much I trust being in a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And inside of that kind of trust, I can just let the conversation flow and it, and whatever comes up is whatever comes up is not censored by my ego or my my personality. I don't know what I want to call it, but it's that sensor, that voice in the back of the head that judges whether this is good or bad, or I think this is smart or not so smart. Hmm. Hmm. And, and that requires for that voice in the back of my head to be somewhat quiet, I, you know, it, it never shuts up. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the human race, but it's, it's it for that to be relatively quiet trust between the parties that are having the conversation I think is a prerequisite
1: in in that with that condition you've got less of the stress hormone cortisol getting in the way um, and creating blockers right to to that free thinking to that um, free exchange and allows you know our brains to enter into a dance as it were um of exchanging ideas and so on but i like i like the way you refer to yourself as you know um smarter than you, we normally are and i think that's true i think that's is that more about focus is that more about really being in the conversation um in you know without any stresses or or concerns
0: yes and and my attention is on on you my attention is not on me My attention is on the conversation, not am I doing it right? Which is, in today's day and age, it almost sounds trite because so many people talk about doing it. it, It's more spoken of as am I enough? And and I even saw somebody with a ring saying I am enough, which I was like, oh, I quite like that. But but it's... it, 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 so it is something that is spoken about in the whole sort of self-help community a lot more these days, but it is a massive point and it, and it, and it, and it influences everything we do and, and how you observe it or how you see it in a conversation is that, or with yourself in a conversation is that your attention is on you as opposed to your attention is on the conversation or the other person.
1: Mm. And I think that's a really important and interesting point, and because it's a fabulous technique for feeling less nervous, for um, taking the limelight off ourselves and our performance, and focusing in instead on what the other person is saying, yeah, um, what's going on in the conversation.
0: And and when I say the conversation, it's really sort of like this weird thing that's happening in between us right like there's no what is that but because, but why I don't just say you is that i'm not comp- i i don't have zero attention on myself right now i am it, you know i am formulating my thoughts i am over here in my own body right i am over here in my own sphere but but my attention isn't on am i doing it right My attention is on the conversation, on what I want to say. Or my attention is on you when I listen.
1: One of my questions is, who are your stakeholders? Who are the people you need to support or influence? Would you like to explore that?
0: Yeah, my main... My main stakeholders, I was just, as I was asked, you know, like I was starting to answer, I'm like, well, maybe my children and my husband. <laughs> um, so, so they certainly are. So there is a, there's a professional group of people and there's a personal group of people. And, and, you know, there is a, being a coach, there's a somewhat fluid line or f- you know, there's some fluidity between those groups of people. But if I look at, let's, let's just take the professional group of people. They are mainly my clients or potential clients. And the, the potential clients are, can be in an actual conversation, like a sales conversation or a marketing conversation, or they can be in a more really marketing conversation that could be in written form or in spoken form. And and but it professionally speaking, I either coach or I try to, you know, enroll you into my services in some way, shape or form. Mm. Those Mm. are the main those are my main stakeholders.
1: And what's important about the conversations that you have with them?
0: So so let's take the clients first. In, in a conversation with a client, there is trust is a huge aspect and building trust is a huge aspect. And so because the work that I do is, is basically most people have a lesser view of themselves than other people would have of them. So if mm. I asked you, CM, take me through, talk me through your capabilities. Particularly when you talk about something that is not quite as factual, like it's it's more subject to the interpretation when you talk about your, you know, how are you as a manager or how are you as a leader, right? Like it's, you know, if I talk to you about your ability in calculus that might be more factual or, or your computer skills or something like that, right? <laughs> like you, can, you might be pretty good at talking me through, here's what I can and cannot do but when i talk to i don't talk to people about any of that i only talk to people about their management and leadership skills which are really subject to interpretation and evaluation and so so for me to to elevate your view of yourself to the view that other people would have of you assuming they're not trying to ding you or be mean to you okay there is there i'm in and certainly when I talk about women, but I could, it doesn't matter really if I talk about women or men, the um, or anything in between, the, the people have a lesser view of themselves than other people would have. And so my job very often becomes, can I remove the blockers so that you can have that view of yourself that I have? Can you stand in my shoes and see you from over here? And that requires trust because the reason you can't is because you're protecting yourself. Something happened at some point that required you to protect yourself or you thought you needed to protect yourself. You know, like there aren't no tigers coming down the street, right? But But if fear drives something and that fear is not made up, it did come in at some point for a legitimate reason, but it's probably no longer valid. My job hinges on my ability to have a conversation with you that can reveal what it is you're scared of and can let go of that either because you really get it's, you know, no longer valid that you were this scared when you were 10 made perfect sense, but now you are 30. And therefore, you are not subject to this anymore. Or, um, or you it's something that that still scares you, but that you need to heal. And that you can uh, go through a process of healing so that you don't need to be um, incumbent by this anymore. I recall a scenario with a client, um, this happens to be a female client who was bullied at, at school and so whenever somebody was uh, cutting her off was um, uh I don't know so much that they were stealing her point. They, they might be sometimes, but also sometimes in a conversation, when a conversation is really flowing, what somebody says sparks something in your mind that, that you expand on or that takes you in a different direction. That is part of what it, it for me, what it means to have a good conversation. And but her experience of those kind of scenarios was more like somebody was f- cutting her off, stealing her point, um, m- sort of diminishing her in the conversation, which was which she traced back to being bullied in school, and and this kind of like sh- first she could sort of see actually once we took the conversations apart, like literally, you know, she said this, the other person said that. And then she said, you know, like, like we actually really cut it down to what happened. Mm. She could see that they, that they weren't bullying her, that they weren't stealing her point, that they weren't, that, that it was an animated discussion rather than a, a cutting you off to cut you down. And, and the so she got the sort of like the insight, the intellectual insight that what she was scared of what, what was happening wasn't actually happening. and And how she always saw it was that she got angry and defensive when people did this and they had kind of like no idea what was happening, right? Like we were just having a great conversation and all of a sudden she starts fuming over there. And, and that, by the way, takes the trust out of the conversation now for everybody, (laughs) like, or it's another way to take the trust out of the conversation. But the, that when for her, it was more of a, I get that, that that's actually not what was happening. I got triggered. And, and, and normally when she got triggered, it would be a, Uh, They they did something to me in her interpretation of it, whereas now she got to sort of rearrange the deck chairs a little that they weren't necessarily trying to do something to her. She flipped to that very um, familiar interpretation for her that she was actually adding this to the conversation rather than other people so there was an intellectual like an understanding a cognitive understanding of what was happening and not happening but and on top of that she actually had to sit with the hurt that she had when she was bullied and sit with what she, creating boundaries for herself so that she could trust that she would not let that happen to her again so she had to renegotiate a whole bunch of agreements that she had with herself and other people in to, in order to set healthy boundaries for herself so she could bring herself fully into those conversations and she also then opted for actually letting people like clean it up with the other people that she'd been in conversations with so to 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 want to, to for one to take care of them. Like, I'm sorry, you saw me get upset and that it, it wasn't actually something you did. It was an interpretation of mine. And I didn't mean to, you know, get that upset with you. I apologize. And here's what's happening to me. So if you observe that again, feel free to go, uh, should we just take a minute and, or, or can I ask you, are you okay? Like, so they, she created space for people to take care of her rather than just let it run its normal course. And, and it's not so much a, you know, like a, like a break as in it's a, it's a demonstrating that you really care. So it's not a, oh, let's stop the proceedings, you know, like let's say five minutes and so everybody can calm down. But more of a, I'm actually authentically interested in, are you okay? And that that is enough cue for her to snap her out of uh, Oh yeah, I'm not being bullied right now. And they actually really care about me.
1: What a wonderful example. I love that. Thank you. Thank you thank you for sharing that. um it is it's a classic sort of you know th- there are things going on within ourselves um while we're in conversation with people that we're not always aware of um, and um but we have this gut response Absolutely. to um it, and it's not always clean or clear why or how that's coming into play N-
0: no um a con- most conversations unfortunately are i say something, you listen, and then you interpret what I said, and then you respond to what I said plus your interpretation and so so uh, And that can be – see, that could be a really creative aspect of what I said earlier called I say something and that sparks something in you that takes the conversation in a different direction or expands on it, right? Like this could be a demonstration of creativity or – Which it oftentimes is if we are in a generative kind of conversation, like we're trying to come up with something, we're brainstorming, we're trying to come up with something new. When we do that in a conversation where we're trying to resolve something or figure out what went wrong or or we're in a breakdown that we have to course correct from, that interpretation that we add is not normally so healthy or is often not so healthy. And the more one can be responsible for, I just added this, like, you really think it's my fault. You, like, I'm starting to listen for that. I'm starting to suspect that. And now I'm starting to defend myself. And the other person has, like, I don't know why she's saying that. I didn't say, I didn't accuse her of anything. That's typically a a scenario where, you know, something was said, I added an interpretation and now I respond from that interpretation.
1: How did you come to this place of interest or understanding around conversations? Is there someone or something that influenced or shaped your perspective on conversations?
0: Um, Yes, yes, there is. I remember conversations with my parents. So so I come from a of a home of of, a, of addictions and and a, and a lineage of addictions. So that there was really some very warped conversations going on. And one of the aspects, well, one of the characterized characterizations of my parents that I would give is that whether or not that's because of their addiction or it's because of the the time that this happened in I you know may or may not you know like I'll leave on set so to speak or for somebody else to interpret but they my parents were of the firm conviction that you if you said something to your children you could not back down from that you could not change your mind. And so if they said, you, you know, you cannot do this, there was no, that was the end of it. And so there was no, no amount of merit could make them change their mind because they had said no. Like it was sort of like that, that, in, that what they thought was an inconsistency was the gold standard of parenting, not to be inconsistent. And I think it was, you know, also partly because of their addictions, they didn't like being challenged, period. But, but it's that, that made it, you know, like that made me think of, is there something other than to a conversation? Is there some other tools than being smart or being sweet or, you know, like, like, like essentially, are there other other aspects, then I try to somehow manipulate them. Like I learned that you have to get all your arguments in before the decision. Don't just ask a question. Can I do this? Is this okay? No, 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 no. Make sure you get all your arguments in first, that that the decision is as informed as it can be. And, but that is, that really... That really informed a, a, in in it in me as a child a certain amount of manipulation, and and I'm not saying it all was manipulation, but there was a, it opened up the door to manipulation, lying, like going all the way over to this is really look they are all la 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 because you've got to come up with some really good arguments before the decision is made. Whereas if, you know, whereas if you are in a conversation that is flowing, then that is trusting, we're actually exploring what the right decision is. And so given I had been so far, hanging out so far to one side as a child in this dynamic, I got very interested in, hey, there's got to be something that feels better than that. And that, I think, partially informed my exploration into what good conversations are or, or conversations with healthy boundaries, conversations where I'm proud of myself. Like I didn't actually resort to trying to manipulate you. Can
1: I ask you, so so it's interesting because as a child learning, you know, how how to navigate situations like that, Um, can play out in really positive ways in our lives. It may feel tough at the time, but it becomes a skill or ability that um, we have that can come in really handy at times. Um, Yes. Interestingly, you talk about it Mm -hmm. as uh, there's got to be a better way. So is that uh, am I right to assume that there was a level of stress and angst that went with having to get all your information in before a decision was made? Hell yes. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah, a, a lot. And, and, and today I can see it as a gift because I don't think I would ever have gone to explore it quite or, or be so keenly sensitive to it had I not had that experience as a child. And so it, 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 it's not just let me get away from that space, but it's also a very, like the alarm bells go off in me when I get out into anything close to that. And it feels terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. And are you aware of, now that you have your own children, are you aware of that surfacing sometimes for your own children? <laughs>
0: Yes, more more so I'm keenly aware of that we, as a parent, I think the tendency is to be not that, that, you know, like, like I am not going to be like my mother. (laughs) And, and so I'm pretty keenly aware of that I'm not. My my children sometimes make me like oh you you are so like you like they call her momo which is the Danish version of grandmother, um, and and so so I've sometimes been accused which is like a total insult to me, but but it's <laughs> but it's uh, you know like I, I, exposing myself to the conversation I can sometimes see that I really am like her. And I have much less of a grip on that than it, than when I'm so not like her. So I can change my mind 15 times with Mike. I am not hard to convince, right? And it drives my husband crazy sometimes. He's like, "Could you? T- they can? Can you just toe the line?" And because if you start, if they start going, "Mom, I want to have this conversation with you," I am perfectly willing to change my mind. I may not always, but I'm very willing to. And that is always like, a yeah, I'm so not like my mother. Um, but I And that I can tell, whereas I can't tell nearly as much when I actually fall into being like them, either her or my father.
1: Right, right. Interesting. Uh, and I see that certainly in my children in the way that they, uh, as I was listening to you saying, you know, I'm going to get all my facts in before a decision is made. I realize that's a skill that my own children have learned. <laughs> so maybe that says more about me than them.
0: And, and, you know, that's not a bad skill either, right? Like it, you know, it, it, it's very it's,
1: impressive.
0: It's quite impressive. And it's quite a get your ducks in a row. Think through, don't wing everything, right? Even though you might be quite adept at, or quite able to wing it the, 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 the aspect as such is, you know, it's not a bad thing to kind of have to think through what are the arguments if you want to have something happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so it, 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 none of all of these things, no matter what happened, I mean, it, you know, this is a little, um, I speak in absolutes, but, but so far, I've mostly met people and I've worked with some people that had really terrible childhoods and they still turned it into incredible strength as Mm. grownups. I get, I'm almost, you know, like we all try to be great parents who make it, quote unquote easy or, or certainly not as hard as I had it, right? Like my kids are having a, you know, like should have a much better, much more empowering. I don't know what, like childhood than you had yourself, except I'm also at the same time keenly aware from my work that it's, 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 it's difficulty that shapes people. It's overcoming difficulty that gives you a sense of your own strength. It teaches you skills like, you know, because they were shitty communicators, I became a good one, (laughs) you know, like, like, and I may just not have had any interest in it. If I, if I hadn't, you know, I used to be an investment banker. That is a, that was a very lucrative career back when I started it. I just didn't have much of any interest in it. And that has a lot to do with sorting out the things that happened to me as a child. But I'm way happier in what I do now, even though I'm not as rich as I could have possibly been.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're richer in other ways now.
0: Absolutely. So what are you great at in conversations, Anne? I think my strength is hearing things that you can't hear. So, So one of the things that many people don't quite appreciate is that the way they talk about an issue the way they describe an issue reveals their relationship to the issue and so when i when i listen to somebody talk their way through their problems that they, they are revealing their issue their relationship to it rather and their relationship is most often what needs to be re, rearranged a little like they need to see it from if they saw it from a different perspective they would see different ways of interacting with it which is fundamentally what a transformation means and 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 that that ability to hear your relationship to something through how you're telling me the story is is how part of or it's a large part of how I get my job done and what I'm skilled at
1: And I notice um, that you are also very careful in the choice of your words. I mean, I feel like in listening to you that every word that you say has significance or is there because it needs to be there.
0: Yes, I, while I, while I sometimes have the experience of myself as babbling, or, or (laughs) an experience of myself as I'm, I'm keenly aware of that people learn or people get things in different ways. So I often try to say something in a couple of different ways to give to, to, to hit the way that resonates for you. Mm. And, and obviously, the better I know you, the, the more tuned into that I get, but but yes, what I do is it has a large linguistic aspect, and therefore the choice of words is is quite important, and mm-hmm. I I pay a lot of attention to that.
1: Mm. And I I wonder whether that has, you know, because you're careful about your choice of words, or because you are hearing people's relationship with what they're talking about, um, there's a natural interest there for you because the two complement each other or go hand in hand? They,
0: I think they go hand in hand, that's, that's for sure. But what I found myself thinking or what resonated for me then when you were talking was it, human beings is the only thing that has ongoing persistent interest for me. The reason I'm not an index in investment banker is not that it wasn't a smart game, but once I figured out wh- what the, what the parameters or the dimensions of the box was that inside of which it happens, I was like, so now what? Like, and once I understood the game, it lost its interest because it's just a, an ongoing repeat with, you know, a few different characteristics. Um, But human beings are like a next frontier. It keeps being fascinating to me because no two set of histories and therefore what shaped that human being are the same. And so for me to figure out how this puzzle fits together and how how I can elevate that relationship that you have to yourself keeps being fascinating but i I haven't found any other any other thing to do that that keeps having me this intrigued, and you're talking you know twenty five years later I mean yes, it's not you know i i I coached people even while I was an investment banker, so I haven't been doing this for twenty five years but you know fourteen <laughs> but it's 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 still it like even while I was working in other in other areas, I was coaching people, you know, on a freelance type basis or on a volunteering type basis. So I've done it. I've done it for a very, very long time. And it's the only thing that has me, it keeps having me fired up in the morning. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Well, each, each, as you're saying, each person is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the collision of events um, shapes people in different ways, and the variables within ourselves um, are what make it fascinating. Is to how did that manifest? Did you did you manage to ride it, or did you you know, has it
0: become something that's become a burden? Yeah, so, and and every yeah. person, I, I think, if if I look back to our conversation or where we started the conversation, uh, like what makes for a good conversation is this how how can you how can i instill that you can trust me so we can go in there together and that has a lot to do with how you create a good conversation so it's a lot about listening but it's also not listening as in i just i just take the line i, I just i just eat whatever you fed me like that you know like like people who are having a lot are challenged are often exceptionally good at manipulating in that area not that they know that they're doing it necessarily so it's not it's not malicious but they they are skilled at keeping you away from that part of themselves that hurts And so I need to listen to you and, but without you just going, oh, she just bought what I fed her and, and I got her away from that part that I don't want to talk about. Right. And that's
1: the, that's the distinction between listening and hearing. It's the, it's the depth at which you're listening. Yes. We've talked about um, what makes for a great conversation and what comes up in conversation. What would you say is um, is your worst habit in conversations?
0: Probably interrupting people, <laughs> which, which is which is terrible, given what I just said. Uh, um, but I, um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm naturally relatively impatient and i i i often think i you know and i and i really do kind of put it the way i'm putting it now i often think i already i've already read your relationship to yourself in what you've said so i don't need to hear all the story but you think you want to tell me the whole story and you think all the aspects to the the, the story are important because fundamentally you're trying to enroll me into your perspective of it. And that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in and therefore want to cut in where I want to make it more efficient. Like I don't need to hear your whole story. I already heard what I want to work with. And so that, and that is quite virtuous in a coaching conversation. Like, this is not me being nasty, but I think that I have a bad habit that I, potentially from that, or just because I have a bad habit, um, I don't want to try to explain it away, that I, you know, if you give me half a, you know, like, like half a second of a pause, I'll jump in there. I, I was trained professionally as a banker in New York City, and if you don't get in there you never get in there and and it is a habit i find hard to let go of the better the conversation is the more i trust you interestingly enough the easier it becomes so there, easier in what way there was a couple of times now in when you were formulating your questions to me because you were actually listening to me, there is this like, you now have to stop and think about what's the next question you want to ask. And that that could be a, a key for me, like to just jump in and say something else. And so the, right. the, for me to actually, there was a couple of times today that I was like, wow, good on you, Anne. I'm not jumping in when you're not saying something even though my natural instinct is to fill the gap, fill the gap.
1: The interruption is an important technique, and it takes skill to know when to use it um, optimally. But it can also, the, the fear, and I wonder whether this is what you're talking about, it it can become the opposite of an invitation into the conversation.
0: Yeah, I I love what you are actually what you're distinguishing here, because I can see where when you when I'm in an individual coaching conversation there's a different framework around that and there's a different set of agreements. My, I run a course, you know, like a leadership course for, for executive women. And, and particularly in a group of women, there is more of a, of a shared experience of a, a, you know, like it's almost like we're co-leading this experience together. I'm a tour guide in this, this conversation. But in there I'm way more keenly aware of that that the coach in me wants to move it along, move it along, and, you know, keep the conversation flowing at pace. Not I'm not necessarily as impatient as I just made it sound. But that that the participants way more have an experience of that what they want to share and what they have to say counts equally. And therefore shouldn't be interrupted. And they and and so thank you for that, because that was I was like, yeah, that's true. It as a coach, I do have permission to cut in. And as a if people think of me as a trainer, which they might in a course setting, then I have less of that permission, and I should establish that permission if I want it. It's all about ground rules mm. right like it's all about cre- creating healthy um boundaries and and a healthy framework inside of which people understand she's not being a bitch she's moving she's moving it along and 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 I I trust her to do that she's not cutting me off to cut me off mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's the role that you're playing in that setting
0: mm-hmm. yeah but I, I, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't seen that before. You distinguished that, right? I hadn't actually quite seen it that way. So that's helpful. Thank you.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Let's talk about body language and and tone of voice. Yep. How do you use them, Anne? And um, in what ways do you use them to read other people?
0: So, so a lot of my conversations happen over the phone and so i don't have body language i often don't have the pleasure of 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 seeing or or they the pleasure of mine for that matter or it's a it's an aspect now i do think it's a slightly overrated how people think it is you know so much is down to body language i actually think a really important part of that is the the use of your voice and, and, and so I, I guess I've also trained myself in, in hearing people's voice and, 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 and hearing the emotions that come along with how they use their voice, as well as how I use mine. Um. So, so I think that that is very important and is another aspect of where I can read how you relate to it. Um. N- you know like oh it's an important aspect of how I can read how you relate to it and and yes body language is, and facial expressions are important and and you know some people are way more better equipped at reading those things than others so it's a little you know it's hard to just say an absolute like this is how important it is in a conversation because it it, it, it no different than your ability to hear different things in the voice also vary from person to person. But um, I'm somebody, I sit here now, so, you know, like you would see me floundering my arms around. (laughs) So so I use my body, uh, you know, completely, even though I'm talking to you on the phone. So, and I think most people do. But it's just not, you can't, you can't observe it. What I noticed earlier in our conversation and thought about was one of the ways that if you are with me in person, one of the ways I show you that I listen is that I animatedly bob my head up and down, right? Like I'm one of those people, you love having me in the front row when you give a presentation because I actually sit and go, yeah, 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 yeah. If I, unless I really don't agree with what you're saying, but, but that when I'm on the phone with somebody, you can't see that obviously. And so the only, the way I have to do that is to say yes. And, and saying yes is, is kind of like this positive animation, but I can you know, oftentimes we end up going, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we do feel we have to say, you know, like, like agree or approve or, or say something, you know, like, like be with you in the conversation as you're talking, but it's, it, I leave, if I say, uh, uh-huh, or, mm, or, uh, uh-huh, or yes, it's very, you know, like, like those are four different ways of, of giving you some kind of positive reinforcement, but they said four different things. I can sit and not agree with you all that much, and my head is going up and down, and you are you will most likely have an experience of me being in agreement or appro- approving and 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 giving you positive reinforcement. So that you've got to be more conscious of the use of your voice when you are listening and they can't see you. mm Mm-hmm. 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 mm-hmm
1: and and um, it can be leading right uh, i'm conscious of you know in in interviews on podcasts is i want you to know that i'm i'm listening to you um, uh, and uh, i'm hearing what you're saying but i also very conscious in in particularly in client settings that my affirmation verbal In that way, that sound. And as you pointed out, you know, you just gave an example of four different sounds that you can make that give very different feelings um, uh, and can be interpreted differently, is to not lead equally. Yeah. Right? Um, In the same way, you know, we talked about earlier, if you're the leader in the room and, and you allow a pause for what Anne just said, we have to be careful that we're not leading. Or overemphasizing something, or giving weight to something that maybe isn't there for the other person.
0: Yeah. Or one of the things I observe in podcasts is that because they only have the voice to give that that I listen to you, yes, yes, yes. There is yes. it. It's almost like an interruption. Like it. It annoys me. You actually that the interviewer didn't say anything. They just agreed with it, but they actually did interrupt the flow of the person being interviewed or, or they, I'll have to go no, back. And edit no, no, I don't think too. you did it much. Uh, not that I, you know, like I may not have registered it and it will be interesting actually to go back and listen, did you do that or didn't you? Because I didn't have an experience of you interrupting me, but I've listened to other, you know, other people do it or listen to podcasts where the interviewer is almost in interrupting with, yes, I agree. Well, I don't care if you agree or you don't. <laughs> Does that make sense? A, it's leading, and B, you're interrupting. Right. Now, of course, right. I shut you up, yeah. right? <laughs> no, you did.
1: I'm going very quiet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, I wonder if you have one final thing that you would like to share with people listening.
0: Two things I want to share, I think. One is be generous. Listen generously. Listen to somebody else like gold is coming out of their mouth, that they can teach you something no matter who they are. And the other one is be courageous. So even if you don't have an experience of being like this is a yummy, trustful conversation. Bring bring the courage to the conversation that you bring yourself in fully anyway. So I think those mm. would be my the two things that mm. came to mind that I would love people to have an experience of themselves that no matter what, they 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 brought themselves in fully so it, they they weren't impacted with their experience of the quality of the conversation and likewise as the listener that you are as engaged and generous as you can be.
1: Wonderful advice. I love that. Thank you. You're Anne. welcome. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking to you as you know. Thank you and likewise. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Better Conversations with me, Siham Cyrene. You'll find show notes for today's episode at sihamsyrene.com forward slash podcast, including more information about my guest Anne Chatroux. If you haven't subscribed yet, then please do. I've got a lineup of some brilliant conversations to share with you. You'll find Better Conversations with Siham Cyrene on Apple Podcast and Spotify conversations we have them every minute of every day with ourselves and with others it's the main way we get things done but it can get complicated we don't always have the words for what we want to say and what does fall out of our mouths doesn't always land the way we hope but my hope is that by talking about conversations more we get to pick up some new insights and understanding and even techniques for having stronger relationships until next time I'm Siham Cyrene and this has been a better conversation.